Welcome to The Comeback. I'm your host, Kyle Michael Miller. During this episode, we're talking with Peggy Notman, who's now breathing easy thanks to a new therapy to treat a rare lung condition. Peggy's Cleveland Clinic pulmonologist, Dr. Gustavo Horaci, will join us as well. But first, here's Peggy in her own words. My name is Peggy Notman. I'm 68 years old, and I'm from Davie, Florida. I was diagnosed with PH after I had a double hip replacement, and I was referred to a Dr. Meta at Cleveland Clinic in Western Florida, who diagnosed not only the PH, but also CTEF, which is blood clots in the lungs. Therapy for me was three kinds of medication. After a while, I was told that there is a procedure now being done in Cleveland Clinic, Ohio, and he wanted me to go there. I've had uh, eight procedures so far, another one coming, and now I can breathe room air. I only need oxygen at night, and I also can now play with my grandson, and it's wonderful, and I am now free. Peggy, Dr. Horacy, thank you so much for being here today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having us. Peggy, your comeback story started about five years ago. You went through a double hip replacement surgery, which I'm sure was not easy. And, not. and shortly after that, you had blood clots in your lungs. Tell us about what life was like during that time. Well, only one clot was uh, detected at first. And it was, um, it was me that was put on um, um, blood thinners and watched but nothing really was done for anything else. There was no testing other than a CAT scan, which sewed the blood clot. But after the hip replacement, I noticed that I was very short of breath, especially when I went back to work. Uh, I'd be completely out of breath, just running for the telephone. I worked as a paralegal in a family law firm in Western Florida, and Everybody was asking me, why are you so out of breath? By the time I pick up the telephone, somebody on the other side, whether it be a judge or judicial assistant, would say, sit down, why are you so out of breath? And I didn't know. And this persisted for um, about a year and because they said the blood clot had dissolved, but my breathing wasn't right. So you, you, I, knew, you knew something wasn't was I right. knew yes, and the pulmonologist that I was seeing before I got involved with Cleveland Clinic uh, wasn't sure, so he sent me to a cardiologist. The cardiologist took the right heart cath that is required to de uh, detect and diagnose pH pulmonary hypertension, and it came out that I did have pulmonary hypertension pH, but nothing was said about blood clots. How did pH impact your life? Terribly. <laughs> it impacted me both at home and in my career. Um, I had to eventually start working only part-time. I was very lucky the attorneys that I was working for at that time for 12 years went along for like two years for me working part-time. I couldn't really go out shopping. I couldn't join friends. And when I did go like grocery shopping, I've passed out. I couldn't get the groceries out of the car, into the house, and it was getting steadily and steadily worse. Did you ever fear that you may have to live your life that way? Yes, very much so. I was really concerned about that. And during that time, my son and daughter-in-law announced that they were expecting their first child. And that's when I realized I have got to do something. I cannot go on like this. I want to see my grandson mm. and any other grandchildren that come along. 
Yeah, so you were treated at Cleveland Clinic in Florida, and eventually you came up here to main campus Correct. in Cleveland, and you met this guy right here, <laughs> great doctor, uh, Dr. Harisi. Can you tell us a little bit about what pulmonary hypertension is and what the impact is on a patient who has it? Pulmonary hypertension, or PH, uh, it simply means high blood pressure in the lungs. But as uh, opposed to high blood pressure that's detected in people's arms, which is the most common form of hypertension, blood, high blood pressure in the lungs usually has a reason behind it. So pulmonary hypertension in and of itself is not a disease. It's just a term that says you have high blood pressure in your lungs. The next step is to find out why. And I think to Peggy's point, uh, she was told she had pulmonary hypertension, but uh, she wasn't told why you may have it, right? Because there are many reasons why you may have high blood pressure in the lungs, and the treatments will be very different according to the reason behind it. Mm -hmm. One of the major reasons that you may have high blood pressure in the lungs is blood clots, and I'm sure we will talk more about that. But there are other reasons as well. <clears throat> You can have uh, other lung problems such as uh, emphysema, sleep apnea, those commonly lead to pulmonary hypertension. There are people who have problems with the heart itself, leaky valves, weak left hearts that can lead to pulmonary hypertension. There are more rare conditions that are associated with it. And then there's a large group of people that may have pulmonary hypertension with no good reason. And that's something that we call idiopathic or formerly known as primary pulmonary hypertension. And so the treatments for all of these different types are very different. Mm -hmm. So what kind of pH does Peggy have? So Peggy has uh, what we call chronic thromboembolic pulmonary hypertension, which means high blood pressure in the lungs due to blood clots that have been there for a long time. Mm -hmm. So when somebody develops a blood clot like Peggy did uh, around the time or after the hip operation, uh, luckily with our own sort of clot lysing mechanism and with the help of blood thinners, most people are able to clear those blood clots. Mm -hmm. However, in a small minority, and that usually is around two to 3% of the time, these blood clots don't go away. They remain stuck inside people's lungs and they become like scars, like scar tissue inside. Mm -hmm. I know there's a standard of treatment for treating pH, but around 30 to 40% of patients aren't candidates for that type of treatment. How did you treat Peggy's case? Because she was one of those patients who you couldn't do surgery for. Correct, and that's a very important point. So once you reach the conclusion that pulmonary hypertension is due to blood clots, the first question that you need to answer is, can we remove those clots with an operation called pulmonary thromboendarterectomy or also called pulmonary endarterectomy? This is a big operation. It's done through uh, what we call median sternotomy, which is basically cracking the breastbone open and mm -hmm. then cutting up the pulmonary arteries and just removing all those scarred clots. And, and that is the first question that you have to ask, answer because that remains the treatment of choice and when appropriate, is actually curative to uh, a large majority of patients. However, there is also a, a large proportion of patients, and roughly when you look at uh, centers across the world, this is around at least one-third of cases with CTAF where you cannot do this operation. And, and there may be various reasons behind that. 
And until recently, actually, there were no other therapies for this. Mm -hmm. And so we now live in an exciting era of CTEF because there's a lot of other things that we can do. One thing that you can do is a medication, but the other uh, important procedure that we're doing now, and this is how we treated Peggy, is this procedure called balloon pulmonary angioplasty, or BPA. Peggy, did you know anything about this treatment before you came here? Before I came here, yes. Uh, the only thing I knew was the doctor that I was seeing in, West, seeing in Western Florida at Cleveland Clinic, Dr. Janesh Mehta, uh -huh. he knew about the procedure. And at one of my support group meetings, he came and he spoke to the group. Then he pulled me aside and he said, there's a brand new procedure and I want to send all of your records to Dr. Horacy up in, uh, in Ohio. I said, okay. And I heard from Dr. Horacy and I spoke to him in length and he told me about the whole procedure. And I said, yes, I'd be definitely willing to do that. I mean, what did I have to lose? Uh, you know, I gained everything. I gained a life. So I went along with whatever they wanted me to do. Came up here to Cleveland, lived up here essentially for four mm. and a half months because I couldn't fly. Mm. I can fly now. And uh, it really has opened up, again, the world to me. So I came up here and I started having the procedures in January. Yeah. Dr. Harisi, can you walk us through the procedures? How does it work? So balloon pulmonary angioplasty, uh, as opposed to surgery, is just a different way of dealing with the mechanical problem of this disease. So think about it. It's like a highway that is uh, occupied by a huge traffic jam, right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, surgery would be equivalent to coming in with a huge, you know, uh, mechanical instrument and just getting all those cars out of the way, out of the highway. Okay, you dump them in the ocean. That's what surgery does. Balloon pulmonary angioplasty uh, doesn't do that, but it pushes the cars away into the emergency lanes. Either way, you just restore traffic in the highway. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what balloon angioplasty does. Surgery cuts the pulmonary arteries, pulls those clots out. Balloon pulmonary angioplasty, we go usually through the groin uh, into one of the veins there with a needle first, and then we thread some catheters into the pulmonary artery. Through those catheters, then we thread instruments, uh, wires and other instruments, and then we engage the clots then we thread a, a catheter with a balloon, and then that balloon is inflated inside the pulmonary artery, right where those clots are. By inflating that balloon, you, again, push those clots out of the way, and then you restore blood flow. You make it sound so easy. That's how the procedure gets done. <laughs> yeah. And again, the credit here goes to Dr. Ihab Hadadin, who's the interventional radiologist who does this procedure. Uh, but again, you know, the, the key here is to identify who is best treated by these different techniques, right? So in, in Peggy's case specifically, the, the reason why uh, balloon pulmonary angioplasty was chosen over surgery was because the clots were located in really small arteries uh, in the sort of outskirts of the lungs. They are really beyond the reach of the surgical instruments. Uh, and also, the, uh, as Peggy was saying, for example, she was not allowed to fly. And the reason was that the, her pulmonary pressures were sky high. Mm. And so the combination of really smaller or smallish clots located in 
the periphery of the lungs in really tiny arteries. And the severely elevated pulmonary pressures made Peggy not a good candidate for surgery. Uh, and so balloon pulmonary angioplasty, when done appropriately in the right uh, situation, can be, can be highly effective. Mm-hmm. Peggy, I know the first time after the procedure was done, you didn't notice any change, but you didn't lose hope. Uh-uh. How come? Well, like I said, I wanted to have a, a life and live long enough for my uh, grandchildren to know me, not just by pictures, really know me. And Dr. Uh, Haddadin would call constantly, do we feel anything? Do you feel anything? And I'm not a liar. I'm a very honest person. And I said, I'd like to tell you yes, but I don't. So um, I said, but please, please do not give up on me. And he answered back, don't worry, I am not giving up on you. Let's keep going forward. And by the second uh, procedure, not only did it open up the first one that did not remain open, he went further and opened more, and I felt a difference immediately. It was um, life-changing. I wasn't huffing and puffing. People will hear me coming down the corridor of a hallway because I'd be huffing and puffing even on oxygen. So I felt the difference. I went for walks on oxygen, like I was told, went for walks. And as I saw that I was walking past the house that I couldn't even walk towards, I went past that house, then I went past another house, and I went past five houses and then walked back. And I didn't feel like I had to lay down and immediately take a nap. Um, It was just... Unbelievable. I mean, you have your life back. Yes. And the funny thing is, Dr. Hadidine said, I know what I am going to accomplish, but what do you want me to accomplish for you? And I said, I want to be able to walk around a shopping center. So he looked at my husband and said, she likes to shop. Uh-oh. <laughs> and I said, no, 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 no. I want to be able to walk around a shopping center. I hadn't been able to do that. And I've been afraid to do that because I passed out in the shopping center. Uh, so I wanted to be able to do it again and not pass out. And I'm doing it. What's something that you, that you couldn't do before that you love to do now? Oh, wow. Go to a gathering of friends and actually get to the end. Yeah. Before, I would always have to leave maybe half an hour to an hour in. My husband and I just went to a uh, party Saturday night, and I stayed the entire time. And everybody made note of that, that, oh, my God, you're still here. (laughs) Yes, I can go to places now. I can, and I don't feel I'm overextending myself where I'm on oxygen at all times. I'm not. I only am on oxygen when I go to sleep, because that's what I'm required to do. And if I'm very, very active. I always have it with me because I promised Dr. Mehta that I would always have oxygen with me, just in case, but I don't always use it. Yeah. Doctor, is this a typical outcome for patients who have BPA? Yeah, I mean, we we are seeing really good results um, with BPA. Of course, uh, it is impossible to to say that everybody gets these same great results. Uh, And, you know, we are still a bit early on the sort of learning curve of uh, uh, balloon pulmonary angioplasty. This procedure really started being done uh, sort of on a routine basis here in the Cleveland Clinic 
in early 2016. Mm -hmm. So it's a fairly recent procedure in the US. I think uh, people started doing it probably late 2015. And so I think we're still learning a lot about who are good candidates, uh, how many patients really respond. Mm -hmm. But in general, we have been really encouraged. I mean, uh, Peggy certainly has had a, a tremendous response, and we have many other people who have. That said, you know, occasionally we, we do the exact same procedure, we go through the same process, and sometimes the results are not that great. So I think we're still learning uh, a lot of, um, you know, factors that may determine that. Uh, one, one key uh, thing to consider, of course, and as Peggy alluded to, and this is a testament to Peggy's resilience, actually, uh, one key difference between balloon pulmonary angioplasty and surgery is that balloon pulmonary angioplasty requires many sessions, right? Mm -hmm. And I think Peggy's going for the world record. Uh -oh. <laughs> but it's working. Uh, right. And uh, surgery is one time and done, right? It's a big o uh, operation, obviously, and there's a significant amount of downtime afterwards. Uh, but it's one procedure and one time. Balloon pulmonary angioplasty requires several sessions because you really cannot treat with this balloon all the areas of the lungs that require, they typically require treatment. Uh, and so typically people, on average, uh, if you look at, you know, sort of our series and others, four to five procedures, but uh, Peggy certainly has required more and, and you have more coming actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the reason for that is that uh, that's one of the things that uh, our team discusses frequently amongst ourselves and with our patients. What is the end point, right? Where, what are we trying to accomplish? And, and certainly we, we like to get people back to their lives, enjoy what they want to do, you know, uh, Peggy's grandchildren, et cetera, et cetera. But also from our perspective, sort of the technical part is we want to normalize pulmonary pressures. We want to normalize function of the right side of the heart, and to accomplish that, uh, many sessions, many procedures are required. You also must like us here, right? I keep coming back, right? <laughs> I don't like your weather, but I like you guys. <laughs> Peggy, we're going to play a quick game called Go Fish. I'm sure you've played it before. You probably, maybe your grandson's probably too young to have played 13 with them. months. No, I, I don't think so. <laughs> so we have a fishbowl here in studio. Go ahead and take the lid off, and you can pull out one question at a time, read it to us and then give us your answer. And the fish don't bite, so don't <laughs> worry about that. What was worse, the weather in Cleveland Clinic in January, the procedure? Absolutely the weather. The weather. The weather. You're from, you're from Florida. I'm from Florida. I was right, raised right, right. in Florida. I don't know any weather but Florida. <laughs> And it was it was brutal. There were times I wouldn't leave the house except if I was going to see Dr. Hadadine or Dr. Horacia. I wouldn't leave. But the procedures are rather, they keep you comfortable. They explain everything that they're going to do, even when they're going to start numbing the area. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to be put under because of the pressures were too high. It was too much of a risk to put me under. So I was awake felt nothing. Even when he would say, are you going to feel a little pressure? I really felt nothing. And the uh, people in the, uh, in the surgical suite, when you're having it, keep you comfortable. If you need more oxygen, they'll, they'll up the oxygen. If you need a little more sedation, they will give you a little more sedation. They go by what you need. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was the weather in January. <laughs> yeah, it's the worst. <laughs> Next one. Yeah, go for it. This is fun. Yeah. <laughs> Where are your questions? <laughs> What's the best part of being healthy again? Wow. Well, I used to work eight to 
10 hours a day as a paralegal in uh, doing working in family law, which I love doing. And I had to unfortunately retire early. I planned to work until I was 70. My bosses knew that it was a husband and wife team. I had to stop working. I had to retire. Now that I'm feeling as well as I am, I also used to teach a adult education class, which is solid talking for two hours. I had to stop doing that. I'm now considering going back if there's still students that want to learn, you know, paralegal studies and how to be a legal assistant and work with uh, the court system. I'm considering going back to that. Good for you. Oh, why one you, more. Why don't you keep going fishing? <laughs> Pull another one out. What advice do you have for others? Well, very simple. If you're having difficulty breathing, go to a pH specialist. Don't tell, uh, take your regular doctor's uh, word for it that you have asthma, you have COPD, you have anything else that affects the lungs. Get it checked out because being short of breath is not normal. And passing out is not normal. I mean, I didn't know what, um, I had never passed out before in my life. And here I had three episodes where I, I passed out or I was about to, but pumped up the oxygen or whatever I had to do. Get it checked out, get the right heart cath, mm -hmm. get the VQ scan, that will show the blood clots, the right heart cath will show the pH, and get on treatment immediately. And if you do have CTEF, I can't pronounce it, so I will call it CTEF, <laughs> um, and you're not a candidate for the surgeries like I wasn't. I wasn't a candidate either for um, lung transplants. Come to Cleveland Clinic, get this surgery. Uh, it's a miracle. It really, truly is a miracle. And that's what my friends have been calling me, Miracle Woman. <laughs> I call Dr. Horace and Dr. Haddadin Miracle Men, <laughs> but it, it's been a miracle for me. Mr. Miracle Man, do you have any <laughs> any uh, final thoughts for us? Yeah, no, I think I, I couldn't put it any better than, than what how Peggy just did. Uh, I think it's, you know, pulmonary hypertension it remains a rare disease, so it's really not as common as, say, asthma or obstructive lung disease, emphysema, and others, but it's certainly under-recognized. And so um, I would emphasize what Peggy said. If you have shortness of breath and you go to your doctor and they do the, some of the routine testing and they don't find an answer, then you need to start thinking about pulmonary hypertension. Mm. The way to screen for that is with an echocardiogram, a heart ultrasound that would give us an idea about the pulmonary pressures. If those are high, as Peggy said, the right heart catheterization would document the pulmonary pressures, and the ventilation perfusion scan, the VQ scan, will be the first clue to think about blood clots as the reason for pulmonary hypertension. Mm -hmm. If that is uh, uh, the suspicion, then yes, go to an expert center, uh, a center with experience and expertise in pulmonary hypertension and, and CTAF mm -hmm. is certainly the next thing to do because these are complex, specialized uh, treatment options. They are not sort of widely available. 
uh, and they can be life-changing, as, as Peggy uh, exemplifies here. We're so glad you're making a great comeback, too. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you look good. Big smile on your face today. Now that um, uh, I've had the surgery, I can travel. Uh, last month, my husband said to me, after one of the last procedures, where in the world do you want to go mm. on vacation? And I have to think about that because now everything is open to me. It used to be before, well, we'll drive to Atlanta, we'll drive here. No, now I can fly before I couldn't. And if I hadn't come to Cleveland Clinic and Dr. Horace and Dr. Hedden, I'd still be in the same situation and may not even be here talking to you. So where are you going to go on vacation? I don't know yet. Come on, you got you got you got to pick someplace good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know I wanted to go to the Grecian Isles so we can now fly and catch a cruise. That's what I'd like to do. That sounds. And since my husband's probably listening to this, that's what I'd like to do. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. Thank you both so much for being here today and taking the time to talk to us. And thank you, everybody, for listening. You can find additional podcast episodes on our website, clevelandclinic.org backslash podcasts on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play. Mm -hmm.